Do you all remember uh, when cell phones were new? <laughs> Certainly they were nothing like what we have uh, today. Back then cell phones were the size and shape of a brick. Yep. How many of you had a brick phone as we used to call them? Well, nearly 30 years ago, it was around 6 p.m. or so on a weekday when I left my job as a psychologist at the hospital to head home. And when I pulled into our driveway, I called out to my wife, Regina, on my cell phone to tell her I was home and I wanted to show her something outside. There was no answer. So I got out of my car and opened our front door and smoke poured out of the house. I called out for Regina again and I anxiously called out again. There was no response. And so with great anxiety, I quickly ran through the house, afraid of what I might find. Relatively quickly, I saw flames coming from the kitchen stove. Flames were coming from hot oil from a pan that had been left on a burner. The flames were lapping at the ceiling. I grabbed a towel and covered the pan and smothered the flames, and with hot pads, I carried the pan and threw it out the back door, I then opened up the windows and other doors to air things out. And then I continued to call out for Regina. Soon I discovered that she was in the bathroom taking a shower. And so I asked her, by the way, did you happen to leave something on the stove? Oh my God, was her reply. She had wanted to make a great Mexican food feast, which was so kind, but she forgot about the oil on the stove. I was not mad. I was just grateful and tremendously relieved she was okay. I didn't want to think about what might have happened had I not come home when I did. A few gallons of paint and replaced kitchen cabinet and all was well. But I have to say, I'm not picking on her because I, as many of you know, have done far, far, far more absent-minded things in my life than she ever has. Smoke. Goodness, we've had to deal with a ton of smoke over the last two weeks. Still today, visibility, for those of you that live here know, it's been down to two miles. The sun has glowed red and orange. The night sky has been obscured. And many, if not most of us, have had scratchy throats and runny eyes. And as I said last week, sometimes wildfires are good in that they bring about healthy ecosystems. But I know that mo most of us are not fans of the fires that are burning in Colorado and in California. They are so destructive and dangerous. Just as a aside, I want us all to make sure that we pray for our firefighters around the nation, for those first responders around the nation as the fires in California top a million acres with many homes destroyed, and pray for our local firefighters fighting those here in Colorado. So let's just continue to pray for them and express our gratitude for them. Well, with all the smoke around, and I've been thinking about a lot of smoke, it's not hard to think about smoke because it's all over the place. As I've been thinking about fire and smoke so much, I was curious, and I found it to be quite interesting as I thought about it, that the Bible actually is chock full of stories that have smoke as being part of them. It's kind of interesting. And so for just a few moments, I thought it might be interesting to take a, a look at just a sampling of of some stories in scripture that involve smoke. Well, long ago, the people of the land of Judah were overrun by the Babylonians. As you remember, the Babylonian king was a fellow named Nebuchadnezzar. 
And lots of people were taken to Babylon during this time, including Daniel and three others named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Well, time passed, and King Nebuchadnezzar decided to have a large, massive statue built with his own image. And soon thereafter, a command was sent throughout the land that whenever the sound of harps, flutes, horns, and other instruments were heard, that people everywhere should bow down and worship Nebuchadnezzar's image. Was faithful Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to do so, and Nebuchadnezzar was furious, so he instructed his army to build a massive fire and to throw the three recalcitrants into the flames. Well, as God would have it, the three did not perish. Amazed, Nebuchadnezzar ordered the three men to come out of the furnace. We're told in the book of Daniel that they were unharmed and that the three did not even smell of smoke. In this story in Scripture, as in other places, smoke signaled that a great miracle had taken place. In the book of Exodus, the people have escaped Egypt and are camped out in the Sinai Desert near the base of a mountain. And on this mountain, Moses goes up to meet with God. And one day we're told the mountain, Mount Sinai, was covered in smoke because God descended upon the mountain in fire. We're told that smoke billowed up. And in this story, smoke signaled that God was present and nearby. In Leviticus, which is a book that gets into a lot of rules and regulations for how to conduct worship in the ancient Jewish tradition, here's what we find. The Lord said to Moses, command the Israelites to bring your clear oil of pressed olives for the light so that the lamps may keep burning. And oil would have produced smoke. And the oil lamps used in the scenario produced smoke. And it was a signal, if you will, of honoring God, of acknowledging God's holy presence, of signaling that God is a God of light and not darkness. Also in Leviticus, there's a description of types of sacrifices people were expected to make. To simplify, one type of sacrifice involved people bringing one of their best animals to the temple. There the animal would be slaughtered and then burned up. It was a symbol for the forgiveness of sin. A living thing would die in the place of the person needing forgiveness. Whatever we might think of this now, in those days, the smoke from those fires signaled forgiveness and that God's forgiveness had taken place. Or the story in the book of Joshua. Joshua, who led the army one day to attack people who were not friends with Israel. Joshua and the army draws the people out of their city. They set up an ambush. And during the fight, the people of the city noticed smoke rising from their city. The city was on fire. And the smoke signaled that victory, a victory for God. The smoke also signaled, however, destruction for the people who were fighting the people of God. And a final example today of smoke is from our reading today in the book of Acts. It's the story of the of the, of the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes upon people. And in our reading, Peter quotes something from the Hebrew Scriptures which predicted the Holy Spirit would one day come and fill all people as it did on the day of Pentecost. And within the quote from Joel, we hear of billows of smoke signaling that this will happen. And in this story, smoke signals the coming of the presence of God's Spirit. Well, there are quite a few other stories about smoke in Scripture, 
the takeaway is clear and an important thing for us to remember. Smoke always represents something. It indicated in those days that something was happening and smoke served as a signal of an event going on. In those days, sometimes smoke signaled a good thing like a miracle or forgiveness. In other times, it signaled that something bad was happening or some tragic event was unfolding. But as I've been thinking about fire and smoke and the signals that come from smoke in stories throughout Scripture, it strikes me that there are other kinds of signals happening all the time in our lives other than smoke. Such signals, I believe, can be a gift from God, an invitation from our Creator, or a nudge from Jesus to get our attention. And it's likely that once in a while, most if not all of us receive a signal. We sense something within that is trying to get our attention. It could be a thought, an idea, a feeling, an intuition, a physical sensation. And such things can be signals of something we would be wise to pay attention to. Such things can be signals that serve not only to benefit us, but benefit other people, and in fact, our relationship with God. Sometimes such signals are obvious to us. At other times, they are much more subtle. Things like stress, feeling upset, feeling disconnected from yourself, a longing, a notion that something is missing, Themes and dreams, words that come from another person, an inner voice, a feeling of monotony, an urge, a feeling that something is not just quite right, joy, guilt, anger, consequences we encounter, can all be signals we need to explore. Again, such signals sometimes are there to help us avoid something, at other times they are there to draw us into something. Here's some real examples of people that I've known over decades of ministry, but with identifying information take out, uh, taken out who received signals and, and paid attention to them. Just some little snippets. There was a fellow who was generally angry. People pointed it out to him. Folks who read his letters to the editor could tell anger was one of his constant companions. He would vent at home. He would vent at work. He would vent in public. For some reason, one day, he noticed his anger himself, and he asked himself, I wonder why I'm so ticked off all the time. I wonder if this is telling me something that I need to take a look at. But he paid attention to the signal of anger, and he realized over time that anger was not the real issue, that the real issue was fear and feeling he had little control over things. And so he began to deal with fear, and his anger subsided. There was a woman, a very kind woman, who was dating a fellow. She had been with the guy for a year or so, and as time went on, she had a sense. She had a feeling inside. She noticed that she'd have to force the guy to communicate, to express his feelings, that he wasn't very vulnerable. And she had this feeling, this gnawing feeling, and so she asked herself, what is this feeling I have inside all about? And she recognized the feeling was a signal the relationship could never be fulfilling or one that brought joy. And so she ended that relationship and she discovered peace and freedom to be herself. 
there was a man, he owned a small business, things were generally going pretty well, but he continually felt stressed, pressured, unhappy. He felt that something was wrong inside, so he began to explore that, that feeling. And what he had been experienced, he finally understood, was a signal to change ways of thinking that impeded joy, to get healthy physically, a signal to delegate things. And his stress and his pressure decreased dramatically because he paid attention to that signal. And finally, there was a woman. She was married, check. She had children, check. She had a job she enjoyed, check. She had normal life struggles, nothing out of the ordinary, check. She was very giving herself to others, check. She was reasonably healthy emotionally and psychologically, check. But there was this darn nagging sense within her. She felt that something was missing, a yearning, an emptiness. So she took those inner feelings as a signal to pay attention to. And over time, she realized that what was going on is that she had moved away from spending time with God and a community of faith. And so she acted on what she understood. And she worked intentionally to get close to God again and to get involved in the faith community. And her sense of missing disappeared. She knew that God had signaled her to come back to God. There are countless other examples of signals people experience. And all of us present here today, whether whether we are aware of them or not, whether we are here in person or online. All of us here likely have some signals going on, whether quite loud or very subtle, and we are wise to pay attention to them and to explore them. I'd like to conclude with just a few thoughts on how we might be more attentive to the signals that we are receiving in whatever form. It has struck me over the years, and it strikes me now, that when we have a sense in life that we have it all down, we've got it all figured out, we've got it all mastered, that likely any signal coming our way is going to be muffled. Similarly, the bigger our egos, the more we cut ourselves off from the continual life-transforming change that God invites us into. Conversely, when we are open in life to new perspectives, new ways of looking at things, having willingness to continue to learn about ourselves every day, regardless of the stage in life we're in, when we see ourselves as lifelong students in a process of discovery of who we are down deep, We put ourselves in the position to hear signals loud and clear. There's such a big difference between saying, I understand it all, versus I always have more to learn about myself, to learn about others, and to learn about God. And it's so important to ponder, think, and pray about, and accept the truth that signals happen. That's really the starting point, is to accept that signals are always coming our way from people and from God and from ourselves. And they're there because 
We need to pay attention to something, whether a big deal or a small deal. And we have to create space for those signals to reach us. Turning off, turning inward, silence, quiet, empty space, listening. Just a few things that help us raise up our antennas when it comes to hearing signals. Another thought came to mind this week, and that is, I know that's not a favorite subject for people, but I thought it might be a useful metaphor in another way. Maybe not, but a lot of us have had an MRI for some reason or another, and I know that a lot of us hate going those damn tubes. But there's a scan that goes up and down your whole body. So I'd like to invite us to think of another kind of scan, a life scan, to envision covering your body from head to toe to quiet and to scan our bodies for sensations up and down, to scan our emotions for feelings that may be buried, to scan our minds for thoughts and honest thoughts, to scan our relationships with people, to scan where we are with God. Scanning can help pinpoint where a signal is coming from and what it is. And all of us, and keep this in mind, receive one signal in common. God is continually sending you and sending me a signal every moment of every day. And that signal is that God wants more of us. Not more from us, more of us. C.S. Lewis once said, God does not want something from us. God simply wants us. And that signal of wanting more and more and more of us is the signal we're receiving every day. Gosh, there's a lot of noise out there. Noise that is not helpful and ugly and mean and life-depleting and angry and, yes, even evil. But we do not need to pay attention to such things because we're on the continuing receiving end of signals, all of which are meant to lead us to joy, to selfless service, to love, to connection with who we were made to be, to a connection, deeper, more vulnerable connection with others, and most importantly, a connection with Jesus. So I invite us now and let us now pray in silence for a few moments before our prayers of the people as we ask God to help us hear the life-giving and transforming signals coming our way right now. <laughs>